Welcome, fellow players. My name is Victor Silfera and this is Generation PlayStation. There's so much to talk about. A new state of play, PSVR 2, what? Welcome, my fellow players. Welcome back. It's been quite a while. <laughs> I have to say I wasn't expecting this. Um, as I told you in the last episode, I would be away for some time, but actually it ended up being a bit longer than I was expecting because of personal reasons. But I'm back now. The show is back and it feels good to be back. So here's the thing. So much happened that it's going to be difficult to talk about everything, right? It's whew, it's a lot of stuff that happened because Sony was just like... On one day, they were just like, you know what? Uh, we're going to announce a new PlayStation VR. Uh, Days Gone is going to PC and uh, we're continuing the Play at Home um, initiative where you get... Init initiative? Uh, <laughs> man... The Play at Home initiative, um, which will give you free games because of, you know, the times we're in right now with uh, having to stay at home because of COVID, which I think is a very cool thing that Sony does. They did that last year and they're doing it again this year. And so this all dropped in one day and then they were like, and you know what? There's also a state of play coming. So just incredible the amount of stuff we got. And it's, of course, very exciting. And I have to tell you about it. I just have to tell you about it because I'm excited. And I want you to be excited as well. Because the future of PlayStation is very bright. And because there is so much to talk about, I might not be able to cover everything as detailed as possible. So just as, as, a, head, uh, as a heads up, um, check the PlayStation blog. Most of the stuff I will be talking about, especially regarding all the announcements, the official announcements by Sony, you can read about them um, on on the PlayStation blog. So definitely check those articles out because um, there you will get the full picture. I'm just trying to give my best to condense it a bit. And you know what? Um, if you're listening to the show for the first time, I also want to tell you a bit about the show. Uh, because I just started talking and didn't even remember to do that. So, of course, this is GenPS, the Generation PlayStation podcast, a podcast that is all about the love for PlayStation. And what I like to do in this podcast is I like to talk about current topics. I like to talk about the news, which I will do. I was just explaining that. And there's a lot to talk about this week. But I also like to talk about... Uh, what new games came out and also what uh, games will be coming out and what scores they uh, the, the new games are getting on Metacritic and what deals you can get to get your gaming on for a cheaper price and also, you know, personal recommendations, for example. And I also like to talk about, you know, more speculative stuff. Sometimes I like to do something about what if there is no PlayStation 6, which I did cover in uh, the last episode actually no that wasn't the last episode it was the episode before the last episode uh, the last episode was about an historical topic which was final fantasy 8 and this time around i'm also doing a, f 
historical topic, which is the PlayStation Vita, because the PlayStation Vita um, is celebrating its birthday in Europe and also North America. So, you know, this is just something that I like to do. In one week, I will do a topic like, like you know, will there be a PlayStation 6 or, uh, for example... Um, how the year is going to shape out, like more speculative stuff. And then the week after that, I like to do something more historical, um, some historical content regarding PlayStation. I covered games, historic, classic uh, games that maybe not as classic for PlayStation, um, for example, with Crazy Taxi, but still classic and some of those titles were on PlayStation and not all of the Crazy Taxi titles, but some of them. So I still thought it would be good to talk about it. And I also like to talk about hardware. And yeah, this time around, it's the PlayStation Vita. So the first thing I'm going to do is get through all of the news. And you know what? Let's get right to it with the first segment of this show, The Circle of News. <laughs> circle of news and so of course the circle of news is all about the news regarding you know playstation stuff and uh, not necessarily just announcements for the playstation 5 but also it can be about competitors and um you know i like to talk about everything that concerns playstation and this week was um and not just this week because i've been away for some time so there is even more to cover um, than just the stuff that happened this week but this week alone was like incredible so let's start off with some smaller things so to say um, as I said PlayStation on one day was like you know what we're just gonna drop a bunch of stuff like Days Gone going to PC um, the play at home initiative being continued uh, a new PlayStation VR and then they were like uh, there's also a new state of play and I'm going to talk about all of that in just a minute. But before that, let me just quickly get through some other stuff here. For example, there is some Elden Ring footage going around. So if you're interested in that, you can check that out. You will find it easily, Twitter and Reddit. It's um, being posted everywhere. Um, but it's it's not good footage. But still, if you're interested, you can check it out. And if you're like, no, I don't want to see it. I just want to play it then I warned you, <laughs> okay? So I know that a lot of people are eagerly awaiting for... Um, for that they, they, they are really just anxious to play this game. They are... Um, a lot of fans just freak out whenever the name Elden Ring gets dropped. So I just wanted to inform you guys about that. Then also, there was this news, which was a bit sad, that Sony Japan Studio was about to get um you know dismantled so to say um sony japan studio has not been profitable in a long time uh, according to reports and sony just um you know decided to put those developers in other teams and yeah a lot of people got angry because of that because you know sony japan studio definitely very iconic uh, for all the stuff they did did especially stuff from the older days like ape escape um they haven't really done much in the last couple of years themselves they have helped other teams um 
produce their games, for example, Bloodborne, Shadow of the Colossus, and Demon Souls. And that's also my point here um, that I'm going to uh, talk about is that you really haven't seen anything from them, really. They, you just have seen products where they have helped um, to create that product, but they haven't really had a project that they can call their own in a long, long time. So <sighs> Sony Japan Studio going away in that sense, I mean, it already it is already gone. We have not seen Sony Japan Studio um, be the Sony Japan Studio it used to be for a long, long time. So I think that the team is still going to do the same thing that they were doing up until now with um, helping other teams develop games. And that's what we've seen in the last couple of years from Sony Japan Studio. So I don't think that there's actually much changing here. That's my opinion. Of course, would I like Sony Japan Studio to develop their own stuff as well? Yeah, I would definitely like that. They make some interesting games, very quirky, um, what they used to do and um, different. Um, Breath uh, of Fresh Air definitely um, is what it would be if they were able to develop a, a game on their own. But given how successful Sony is right now and uh, the titles where Sony Japan Studio helped on, I think that's what um, Sony wants to focus on. So makes total sense for me. And I don't think it's a reason to be outraged right now. Um, since, as I said, we haven't seen Sony Japan Studio really do um, anything like they used to for a long, long time. Also, just quickly, um, there is this report from Bloomberg saying that in the summer there will be a firmware update to enable uh, the internal storage of the PS5. Um, the the uh, internal storage the added internal storage uh, if you didn't know there is an m.2 nvme ssd slot that you can use to put your own ssds in there but they have to be gen 4 and you know you have to wait until sony says like okay these ssds are approved and they will work and probably we will get a list for that uh, this summer and also a firmware update to enable this feature because right now if you put any ssd in there it just won't work so um i hope that's the case because as we all know the ssd storage on the ps5 is a bit small and yeah the other thing is um something that i already mentioned days gone is going to pc which is cool i like that move uh, especially days gone being a game that wasn't as well received so you know Give it another chance on PC with improved graphics um, on, of course, on high-end PCs. Uh, on low-end PCs, it will probably be downgraded graphics, but you get my point. And, you know, this is the, the thing with um, also Horizon Zero Dawn, you know, get people interested in PlayStation titles so that they potentially buy uh, a PlayStation in the future. I think this is a good move. Uh, a lot of people are like, Oh no, I hate Sony for doing this because I bought a PS5 and now they are putting their exclusives on PC. Why did, did I buy a PS5 uh, if, if they are now putting their games on PC? And I'm just like, what? I mean, this is a game that um, has been out for quite a while. It wasn't well received and 
still, if you're looking for God of War on PC, it's not there. So it's not like they're doing it with every title. I think that God of War will be there sooner or later, probably uh, also because of the next game, God of War Ragnarok. Um, so they might put it out on PC to get people excited and maybe buy a PS5 to play the next God of War game. But it's all about that. They are not going to be doing um, releases on the same day on PC um, on the same day as they do on the PS5. That is not going to happen. Um, that's not what they're after. They are just trying to, you know, get more people interested in PC, uh, in PC, in PS5s. Um, people who are generally PC players and I mean, they can even be casual PC players. They might not even be hardcore gamers because those are more difficult to convert. But uh, yeah, they're just trying to get more people interested in the brand. And I think that's very um, wise of Sony to do. So again, one of those situations where I think that outrage is not the right reaction to this. Now let's get to the fun part, okay? So all of that, we discussed that stuff. I would consider that stuff more minor compared to all the stuff that is coming now in the next couple of minutes i will try to do my best to get through this as quickly as possible because i still want to talk about the ps vita and not make this episode extremely long so stick with me and let's just get through it so let's start with state of play i watched the state of play event and i have to say that i liked it but i didn't necessarily love it I think it was a good show and um, a lot of cool stuff was announced, but not like it wasn't earth shattering. Um, I mean, I also wouldn't expect it to be. Um, maybe the only reason to expect a bit more would would have been that they hadn't done a state of play, a proper state of play in a long, long time. Because we did have those PS5 events, but those weren't really state of place. And then we had state of place for specific games, but not, you know, a general state of play in quite a while. And maybe that could have been a reason, just like with the Nintendo Direct, that also uh, a lot of people were, you know, they were expecting a lot more from that Nintendo Direct. Because it had been a long, long time since the last proper Nintendo Direct. So... Maybe there is something to that where you um, maybe that did make the expectations go a bit higher um, than they should have been. But I think they they did a good job setting the expectations. They in their blog post they talked about uh, the stuff that they were going to announce, and that's pretty much what they did. And let's just get through it. So the first thing that they showed was Crash Bandicoot Four because that is coming out on ps5 and that is actually going to be i'm just checking my notes here on march 12th we are going to see the ps5 version of crash bandicoot 4 it's about time which a game that was well received and now upgraded on the ps5 so pretty sweet if you're into crash i'm not the biggest crash fan i think it's a cool game um i mean uh, the Crash games are cool. I didn't play Crash Bandicoot 4 yet, so I cannot talk about this game specifically, but it is well received, and I know how well the other Crash Bandicoot uh, games play. I like them, but it's not really my cup of tea, so um, I'm not the best to talk about this for sure. Then we got a look at 
Returnal um, a gameplay um, video and I don't know um, Returnal I expect it to be a great game or at least a good game at the very least um, because I know that Housemark those guys are talented even though this is something different that they're trying I think they will do um, they will do their name justice they will put out a good game I'm not sure if it will be out of this world amazing like you know like other playstation first party titles but i expect a good game the game is supposed to come out april 30 on ps5 and it will be the first real um playstation 5 exclusive because we had destruction all-stars for example but that is like yeah that's i wouldn't count that <laughs> um not the best showing of the PS5 and especially of PlayStation Studios. That game wasn't... Um, yeah, I didn't like that very much. But Returnal looks impressive uh, graphically, definitely. Um, and Housemark, they surely know how to make good games. So even though this is something different, I expect them still to deliver something good. And yeah, similarly to the crash situation, I'm not the biggest fan of space stuff. Sometimes it can it can be interesting um, for me, but most of the time it's not really my genre. So I will probably check it out sooner or later, but it's not really something I'm extremely hyped for. Another thing that they showed was this game called Sifu, and it's supposed to come out in this year. And it's it's a kung fu game, which the art style is is very very cool. I like it a lot, and it looks interesting. Um, we don't know much about it. It's a third person action game. Uh, as I said, kung fu combat. It looks interesting. Uh, it looks to be an interesting single player adventure uh, going on there. I will. Uh, look into this um, how well it is received and maybe then play it myself because it does look very interesting could be something could be a hidden gem here what is not a hidden gem I'm pretty sure but maybe I'm wrong about this is Knockout City which is another game that they showed which is um, a, a dodgeball uh, battle royale kind of game I don't know it's it's a weird game. It's it's dodgeball combat. Uh, it's not really battle royale in that sense, um, but it's like I don't know. It's I don't I don't care about this game honestly. Um, from from the first look, um, maybe it's fun. Maybe it is actually fun, but to me, it's, yeah, no, it didn't catch my eye. So the next thing that they talked about was, or that they showed, was Solar Ash gameplay. And that is that is a different beast now. Solar Ash just looks amazing. It's uh, visually impressive. Um, and not in the sense of, you know, being this graphical showcase, but more like the art style being very, very interesting. Um, reminds me a bit also of um, the Pathless from the traversal and stuff. Very, very interesting game. Then we had a look at uh, gameplay from Five Nights at Freddy's Security Breach, which looks a bit different from what we're used to when it comes to Five Nights at Freddy's. And we also got a look at Oddworld Soulstorm, 
which we now also have a date for that, and that is April 6th for PS4 and PS5. And we also got a gameplay and we got some story details regarding Kina Bridge of Spirits, which that game is probably one of the games I'm most excited for. Amber Lab, uh, this these up-and-comers, really, a new studio that is so focused on being visually just amazing when in in their games like at least if all their games will be like kina then my god they are when when it comes to visuals i mean it's amazing it really captures that pixar um experience like it's it looks so amazing and you know the guys behind amber lab uh, a lot of them come from animation studios and it it really shows because it's it just looks beautiful this game and we know that this game will cost 40 euros or 40 dollars and it is supposed to come out in august august 24 which i would have hoped to see this game sooner but still i'm very happy that we got a release date now and we got a price which is a good price i would say um it is not a full price game because um, the experience from what I've heard or from what I've read will be a bit smaller, but that is totally fine. Um, when it comes to my preferences, I just, I really like small, but good games. I prefer those to long and boring games. That's just, that's just me. Okay. And also I don't have much time. I'm an adult and I have a lot of stuff to take care of. So I love small but great experiences and I think that's what this game is going to be. And another game that is probably going to be a really, really good experience is Deathloop, which <laughs> is one of these uh, of these games um, where Bethesda um, has, has a, a, a thing going on with PlayStation. They have this exclusivity deal and this uh, uh, despite bethesda being bought by by microsoft which is so weird because now microsoft is going to own bethesda and bethesda is putting out a playstation exclusive or at least for some time it will be exclusive so in some way um microsoft is now making ex exclusive games for the ps5 which is uh which is a funny thing to think about right but anyway what you're interested in is not necessarily the companies behind the games, although I think it is important to care be, uh, about the guys developing the games and to support them if you like the games. But still, what's most important is, is the game good or not? For the general consumer, that's what they want to know. And I think that this will be a great game. Deathloop is a, a game where you're trying to... Uh, you're playing a character trying to catch another character and there are these loop mechanics where um, it just starts all over again. It's I don't want to spoil it. If you want to check it out, just do so, please. Um, and you will love it. I'm, I'm pretty sure if you're I mean, if you're into this type of game, of course, if you're into shooting and, and stuff like that and, and stealth, if you're into that kind of stuff, then you will probably love this game. So just check it out if you don't know about Deathloop. And Deathloop is coming out on May 21. So mark that on your calendars if you want to play this game. It's 
not that long until this game comes out. And the last thing, last but not least, that was shown at the State of Play event was Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade. And if you're asking yourself what that is, well, it's essentially just Final Fantasy VII Remake upgraded for the PS5, which is cool, but of course that's not all. There is also DLC, a DLC revolving around Yuffie. Now, if you don't know Yuffie, I don't want to be um, spoiling things here, but Yuffie is a character from the original Final Fantasy VII, a character we only see later in the game. So this is interesting here because this character, we see this in the in the trailer, she is actually watching the main cast of Final Fantasy VII Remake behind the scenes. So this is creating a bit of a backstory for potentially how then she meets up with the main cast and i like that very much so it is setting up the next game without you know really continuing the story or at least it seems like it will be playing uh, at the same time the original story of final fantasy 7 remake is playing um so it's not really continuing the story but it's just complementary to that original final fantasy 7 remake story we got and so when then we meet her in Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two or whatever it is then called, um, we have already seen her before in this DLC. I hope that in Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two that they still explain who she is a bit um, for anybody who hasn't, who didn't have the chance to to play the DLC, because of course this DLC is also exclusive. For PS5, there will not be a version for PS4, and a lot of people are angry because of that. And I totally get that. Um, I also don't like that very much. I think that the DLC at least should have been um, also available on the PS4. The next game probably won't be available on the PS4, but still, I mean, the game came out on PS4 originally, so the DLC for it should also come out on PS4, I think. But, well, I don't think it's it's a good um, solution here. It's a bit anti-consumer, um, what Square Enix is doing here. But, yeah, you have to have a PS5 if you want to play this DLC, which is not good. It's I don't like it. What I do like, though, and what is so weird is that they were then very, very pro-consumer when they said that everyone who owns the PS4 version of Final Fantasy VII Remake can upgrade for free to the PS5 version. And this does not include the DLC. Let me be clear. You have to buy the DLC separately. But all the enhancements um, that you will get by upgrading to the PS5 version of Final Fantasy VII Remake, you get them for free if you own the PS4 version. So, very weird. They're so pro-consumer when it comes to that, but then the DLC is only for PS5, which I think is anti-consumer. But whatever, let's look at some of the stuff that is actually being improved when it comes to, to the upgrade, the, the PS5 version. Um, there is uh, the ability now to switch between a graphics mode and a performance mode, which does pretty much what you think. Um, graphics mode will give you better graphics and performance mode will prioritize the frame rate 60 frames per second which 
will probably be a really really cool thing for a lot of people when it comes to these fast-paced action games it can really be cool to have that increased performance on the other hand i can also see the case for the graphics mode because this is a very graphically impressive game and talking about graphically impressive stuff there's also um, a photo mode now which looks very very cool and i think a lot of people would do a lot of fun stuff with it so yeah that's pretty much it when it comes to the state of play and some things we didn't see in the state of play surprised me i was expecting to see some ratchet and clank rift apart especially because we got a, a release date june 11 which is weird because they said that it will it would be a launch title and i mean june 11 that's pretty late to be a launch title to be considered a launch title but whatever um fans are pretty excited um even though it's it's coming out late they will still be excited because this game is another game that just looks amazing and a lot of people loved the 2016 Ratchet and Clank game and this one looks even better than that so of course people are still excited but it's just still weird saying that it is a launch uh, window game because it's it's in my opinion way too late to be called that and we didn't get a look um at, at Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart which it's kind of weird. We also didn't get a look at Gran Turismo 7 and before the state of play happened we actually got the news that it would be pushed back to 2022. So I was expecting them to say also something in the state of play, um, bring us a new trailer so that we are not that bummed out about the game getting delayed but maybe it's even the better move to do it like this. Um, now people are a bit bummed out then you put out a trailer later and people get excited again maybe i don't know um honestly i don't even know who's that excited for gran turismo gran turismo has been on a bit of a low in the last couple of years because of forza taking over <laughs> but i hope it can get back to where it was um gran turismo sport was well received it just didn't get to the heights that you know gran turismo had with games like three and four um back in 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 the day uh, on the ps2 it's been quite a while since then but back then gran turismo was the thing when it came to driving sims and maybe someday they can back, get get back to that shape now another thing that they also didn't show in the state of play but was to be expe expected because they said that they would not announce anything or show anything regarding hardware uh was the playstation vr 2 or whatever it will be called they have not officially said that it will be called playstation vr 2 but they have announced now officially that they are developing a next-gen uh, vr headset for the ps5 and they just they didn't even show a picture not a video nothing they just put up this blog post and explained that they're working on a next-gen vr system for the ps5 that is going to have a single cord which some people are bummed about because they wanted it to go completely wireless but there will still be a cord to connect to the ps5 and i think that's to be expected because you know some people were saying why isn't isn't it like with the quest where it's it works on its own when you want to connect it to a gaming pc you can yeah but then it would probably be more expensive and also um it's 
the the games on there wouldn't be on the same level as the games you will you are going to get with the PS5 and there might be a way to make those games also wireless uh, on the PlayStation VR 2 uh, I mean the, that the connection between the P- PSVR 2 and the PS5 is actually wireless that would probably be possible but it wouldn't uh, I mean I'm just talking here without knowing all of the um, internal stuff you know maybe they can optimize but i think that it probably wouldn't be a good experience because of latency um and you know wireless transmission is never going to be as good as using a cable and it's still like this nowadays even with better wireless protocols that we have but still it's not still not going to to be uh, as good as a cable and for VR, you really want to have the best possible experience, the best frame rate, the best latency uh, for it to be an, an enjoyable experience. So I, I kind of was expecting this to be the case. Um, I think that a lot of people just didn't have the right expectations when it comes to this. And one thing that they announced, which was very interesting, is that they're also working on new VR controllers, which, I mean, was kind of to be expected because are you actually going to use the P- the PS Move controllers again? I don't think so. Those things are very, very old and they were never as good as they should have been. And they are talking about these VR controllers having some of the key features that are also present in the DualSense, which I guess would be like haptic feedback, uh, adaptive triggers maybe. And I think that could be very, very cool. Uh, Also enhancing your VR experience. Just think about holding a gun and you have those um, those resistive triggers, it will even make it even more realistic, right? I think it's a very, very cool thing to include. Um, but we'll see. We'll see um, how this turns out. They're aiming for sometime after 2021. They said it definitely wouldn't be coming out in 2021, which I expect. And I also don't expect to see this in 2022, honestly. Um announcement like in the sense of uh, they already announced it right but in the sense of showing the hardware actually and showing some gameplay and stuff like that i expect to see that in 2022 but i don't necessarily see them releasing it in 2022 so i think that this will be 2023 but if it comes out sooner then i will be surprised and happy but i would honestly put my expectations there 2023 that's when i would expect to see it and um, i think it's good news that playstation is still backing vr of course playstation vr when it comes to vr headsets a massive success when it comes to gaming peripherals in general eh, not as much of a success but vr is just very expensive i mean the PSVR, when, when it came out, it just cost as much as a console when it first launched. The PS4 cost $399 and the PSVR also $399 at launch. So it's just uh, incredibly expensive compared to other peripherals that we had before. So that makes sense that it was, would sell um, a lot less than all those peripherals. But still... It was one of the best-selling VR headsets. I mean, for a long time, it was the best-selling. I don't know if it still is. Um, it might actually even be, but maybe the Quest has surpassed it. I don't know. 
Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm very happy to see that PlayStation still believes in VR because I think that there is a lot of potential there. But that's all. I will not talk about any more news now. Um, I will now just talk about some Metacritic scores and new games that came out and will come out and some deals in the next segment that I like to call Fair for Your Square. And so on the PS5, there are really only two games that I think I should mention. Maquette, uh, which got a 74, and Yakuza Like a Dragon, which got an 86. Both of those games releasing March 2 or March 2nd. And Maquette actually um, is included in PS Plus. But I will talk about PS Plus in just a minute. And now on the PS4... We had some games that came out in the last couple of weeks, so let's get through some of those. Neptunia Visual Stars got a 63 on Metacritic. Then we have Pumpkin Jack, which got a 76. Uh, Werewolf the Apocalypse, which got a 76. Uh, or actually, Werewolf the Apocalypse, the Apocalypse Heart of the Forest. Um, that's the complete title. Then we have Curse of the Dead Gods, an 80. We have Taxi Chaos with a 44, which is a game that I talked about when I talked about Crazy Taxi. Uh, this is a game that is in inspired by Crazy Taxi, but looking at these reviews, um, it's probably not the real deal, and I didn't expect it to be from my first look at the game. Then we have Persona 5 Strikers, um, which got an 84. Persona almost never gets a bad score. I, actually, I think I have never seen a bad score on a Persona game, but maybe there is one game like very obscure game that uh, got a bad score but i doubt it persona games are mostly quality titles and this one as well persona 5 strikers an 84 then we have pus with a 71 we have natsuki chronicles with a 79 and fallen legion revenants with a 57 i think i will stop there uh, i won't go even uh, further back now let's talk about uh, a game that is coming out soon, which is very, very soon, March 2nd, just like with uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon and Maquette, um, or the PS5 version of Yakuza Like a Dragon, because the PS4 version released sooner than that. Uh, it has been out for quite a while. But the game that will be coming out also on March 2nd on um, PlayStation 4 is Harvest Moon One World. So if you're a fan of Har Harvest Moon, maybe... Uh, you want to check that out as well. But besides that, not really much happening. Again, uh, it's a start, It's the start of a generation, which generally is pretty slow after, you know, the first boom, um, when the consoles release, then you have a bit of a low because it takes time for the developers to catch up. And also it's the start of the year, which has always been a bit, um, slow when it comes to games releasing it's mostly like this every year in the summer thing, things start wrapping up and um, especially with more announcements e3 and stuff which we don't really have e3 um, they are trying some stuff this year but uh, yeah I just wish we could have traditional announcements back because the summer game fest last year wasn't that good but let's just hope it gets better this year. 
when it comes to that stuff. So with all of that, there's a lot of booming then in the summer. And then, of course, during holiday season, towards the end of the year, that's when a lot of games are coming out and it's incredibly difficult to keep up. So talking about it being difficult to keep up, if you have a large backlog and you're a PS Plus subscriber, then let me just tell you, your backlog just got bigger because the new PlayStation Plus games for March were announced and they include Final Fantasy VII Remake for PS4, but very important here, this version of the the game is not upgradable to the PS5 version. Okay, so if you claim it on PS Plus and you have a PS5 or you intend to buy a PS5 in the future, just know that this version will not be able to be upgraded to the PS5 version, which is a bummer. So keep that in mind. Then we have Farpoint, which we were just talking about VR. Uh, Farpoint is a VR title, so really only concerns those with the VR system, I guess. Um, but it's a good game. I played that game. There's actually an aim gun made specifically for this game. And it's really, really cool to play with that thing. Then we have Maquette, um, as I talked about, um, this game releasing now and uh, releasing on the day uh, it comes to PlayStation Plus, which we have seen a couple of times now. And um, Jim Ryan has said that this will happen more and more, which I think is a pretty, pretty cool thing. But in the case of Maquette here, it will only be the PS5 version. So you're not getting the PS4 version of this game. And this game is a puzzle game, so if you're into puzzle games and you have a PS5, claim this game. And then we have Remnant from the Ashes, the PS4 version, which is of course also playable on PS5. And also Destruction All-Stars will still stay available to download until April 5th, which is also the time you have to claim Farpoint and Maquette. Both of those games will stay a bit longer than usual. And we now also got the announcement for the PS Now games for March, which are World War Z, available until September 6th, and Ace Combat 7, Skies Unknown, available until May 31st, Infamous Second Son, which does not have a date listed here, so it will probably be on the service for ever or at least until the service dies if it ever does i hope not i hope that someday playstation is able to figure out how to make ps now work because as of now it is a good service but it can be so much better and the competition they are pretty good so sony do something and also uh, another game was added to ps now and that is super hot which is a very, very fun FPS game, which also has uh, a VR version. So maybe if you like this game, you should also try it out uh, in VR. So yeah, pretty cool. A lot of stuff coming at you if you have PS Plus and PS Now. And even more stuff is coming. And you don't even have to have PS Plus or PS Now because the Play at Home initiative is back. And if you remember this, Last year, PlayStation started this stuff, the Play at Home initiative, free games for people right now during COVID times because a lot of us are staying at home and PlayStation is giving you something 
to make your life less boring, <laughs> essentially. So last year, I think the Uncharted collection was there. And I think in Europe, we also got Nag, but I think it was actually another title in the US. I don't remember it quite well, but what matters now is that for four months, there will be free games each month, one game. And it starts right now with Ratchet and Clank, the 2016 game. If you have not played that, you can now get it for free. So that is really, really cool. We don't know yet what will be coming uh, for the next months, but expect more games to be free for you to play in the next couple of months. For now, March, you can get um, Ratchet and Clank. And yeah, you don't have to be a PlayStation Plus subscriber or a PS Now subscriber. It's just free. If you are a PlayStation Plus subscriber, though, you will also get double discounts because there is now a sale going on featuring double discounts for PlayStation Plus subscribers. So just also wanted to mention that it's not just everything is free. You can also still get some good deals on other games not available through all of these services. If you want a specific game that is not available on these services, maybe it is available in the sale and you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber, which means you can get it for even cheaper. Just informing you about all of that stuff. And yeah, uh, maybe because I also like to talk about recommendations, as I said, I played Watch Dogs Legion, um, I played Immortals Phoenix Rising, and I played Assassin's Creed Valhalla, not completely through, I played all of them a bit. And let me tell you this, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, really good game, but it's really just more Assassin's Creed, which isn't a bad thing. I like Assassin's Creed, but it's just more Assassin's Creed, a good kind of Assassin's Creed, not like a couple of years we had some yeah rough titles. And now it seems like Assassin's Creed is back in a shape where I can say, yeah, I can recommend those games. But it's still just more Assassin's Creed. So if you're not into Assassin's Creed, probably won't. Uh, this won't make you change your mind. Watch Dogs Legion, it's okay. I really liked the intro mission. It was I, I was really excited when I played the intro mission, and then all of a sudden, it goes to. If you don't know about Watch Dogs Legion, essentially there is no real um, protagonist. It's a bunch of guys you can choose from to add to your team. Um, they look just like regular people, but they are actually part of this revolution that is going on. And um, yeah, just it it makes the game a bit of a weird experience for me because the intro mission, there are characters there where I feel attached and this is pretty cool. I, I, when I was playing it, I felt like, oh yeah, th this is actually this is actually cool. And then it just gets to this place where it just feels, how, how should I say it, faceless? You know, there is no face attached to the story, like, it just makes me care less. I mean, the, the um, sneaking and stuff was still fine, it was still enjoyable, but I wouldn't be paying full price for this game, let me tell you that. And then Immortals Phoenix Rising, I think, is the most interesting title all, out of these three. Because it's just a breath of fresh air. I mean, yes, you can say it's copying um, Breath of the Wild with its style and a lot of the mechanics and stuff. 
and you have the Greek um, mythology involved and you can say that they took that from Assassin's Creed Odyssey maybe but all in all it it feels fresh uh, also with all the humor involved I, I really liked it I have not played through the complete game but what I played of it I really enjoyed I had played a, a demo on Stadia before and I also liked that so if you had to ask me out of these games which one would I recommend the most then I would say Immortals Phoenix Rising That's just my two cents on that. And now let's talk about the PlayStation Vita in the next segment, The Triangle of Time. Oh boy, the PlayStation Vita. Do you know what Vita means? Well, Vita is life, which is something that the PS Vita doesn't really have anymore. It's dead. And it's sad because the PS Vita was a pretty cool handheld console. Now the PS Vita, the reason I'm talking about the PS Vita this week is because it released February 22nd in Europe in the year 2012. There was also a first release in North America on February 15, but then a more general release on February 22nd, the same date as here in, in Europe. And when it came out, this console i mean so if you did the math right it's been nine years right and if you look at the japanese release then it's almost 10 but still looking at these games that the ps vita has nowadays they still hold up pretty well i mean this system when it came out it was so impressive because they sony pretty much pitched a handheld console capable of delivering graphics superior to the PS2, but not really hitting the levels of PS3. And that's exactly what it did. I mean, you could even argue in some games that it looks better than most, or not most, but a lot of PS3 games. There are some cases where, damn, it looks amazing. And especially the first edition of the PS Vita came with an OLED display which was pretty uncommon back in the day. I mean, nowadays, OLED TVs, you can buy them everywhere. They're still more expensive than normal LCD displays, but it's it's much more common to see OLED displays nowadays. And the first uh, time I heard of the PS Vita and its OLED display, I was like, what? What is an OLED display? I didn't even really know at that time. Or I guess maybe I I had heard of it, but I definitely had never tried one. I mean, I might have seen one without realizing at the store because I didn't really, um, wasn't interested in buying a TV at the time. I was still a bit young and um, my parents really took care of that stuff. So when I heard of this, I was like, interesting. This is really interesting. And now afterwards... Um, it really is incredible that they put an OLED screen on it. Like, who came up with that idea? I mean, it's, I love it because it looks amazing. The colors look amazing on the PS Vita. It's not the highest um, resolution, but I mean, you can still say that the um, the colors are, are amazing. The resolution actually is not even HD. We're talking 960 by 544, which isn't great for a five inch screen but it's also not terrible 
Um, I think it's fine. It could have been 720p, which would have been amazing. Even if the games didn't run, uh, didn't run at 720p, uh, you could have some upscaling stuff. Um, probably nowadays, if it were to release nowadays, they would have done some ups- uh, upscaling. This all, all the upscaling stuff really came later uh, with the PS4 um, uh, or the PS4 Pro, really, and stuff like that and Nintendo Switch of course does some upscaling as well um, they probably would have done something like this back in the day uh, or they would have done something like this today if they were to release the PS Vita today but they didn't they released it back in the day and they released it with a low res screen but with an OLED display which is amazing and it is really such a powerful handheld console when you think of it because some of these games um i'm looking at a list here on metacritic of the best games that came out on the ps vita and we have of course persona 4 golden which is like i mean that's the game everybody recommends when it comes to to the ps vita persona as i said before um those games almost always quality quality and Persona 4 was a great game and Persona 4 Golden just improved um, on everything that Persona 4 already did right. So a 93 score on Metacritic and an awesome game looks amazing. And then you have other games like Little Big Planet for the PS Vita with an 88 score on Metacritic. Also such an amazing game. And you have games like Rayman Legends, so beautiful, so, so beautiful. Tearaway, also a beautiful game. One of the only games that really utilized the back um, the back touchpad because the PS Vita had actually a touchpad on the back of the console, which mostly was used to trigger more buttons. Like the, the back um, touchpad there was just used as additional buttons. But with Tearaway, you actually had interesting stuff going on there. Like, you know, the whole thing with Tearaway is like, it's all made of paper and you could, you know, put your finger on the touchpad and it would be like poking through the paper in the game. And so stuff like that, very, very, very interesting stuff that they did there. And visually stunning game. Also Final Fantasy X um, and X2 HD remaster. Also so beautiful that game. And when you look at those games nowadays, um, compared to what's available on the Switch, I mean, it holds up pretty well. I would say that the if you compare the Nintendo 3DS to the PS Vita, and the PS Vita to the Nintendo Switch, I would say that the gap in quality and in, in graphics is bigger um, when it comes to Nintendo 3DS to PS Vita than it is PS Vita to Nintendo Switch. I would... At least that's what I think. Um, That's when I look at the games, that's how I feel that the PS Vita games were really just so much better than the 3DS games, visually speaking, of course. And the Switch, I mean, it's of course... I'm not going to come here and talk about how the PS Vita is better than the Nintendo Switch. It isn't. It just isn't. But... The gap isn't like gigantic. And so that is a reason for me to be really sad when I look at the sales numbers because the PS Vita sold only 10 to 15 million units, which 
is definitely a failure. And what makes this even worse is that when we look at the predecessor, the PlayStation Portable, well, the PlayStation Portable sold around 80 to 82 million units, which is pretty much on par with the Game Boy Advance. And the only other two handhelds that sold better than that were the Nintendo DS with 154 million and the Game Boy and Game Boy Color with 118 million. No other um, handheld system sold as much. So really, sometimes people forget. Sometimes people say that PlayStation isn't good at making handheld consoles. Well, they just made two. Of course, they made variations also of those two. But essentially, they just made two handheld consoles. One was a flop. That's true. The PS Vita did flop, but... I'll talk about why it flopped in just a minute. But the PlayStation Portable was far from a flop. It was a definite success. It sold more than the 3DS. It sold more than the NES. It sold more than the Xbox One. I mean, come on. 82 million? That's something right there. And looking at the PS Vita as the successor of the PSP, you would think that they would be able to sell much more than that. But... There are some reasons why the PS Vita failed. So the PS Vita was discontinued on March 1st, 2019, officially. But it had been dead for quite a while longer, actually. And when I say dead, I don't mean in the sense of it's unuseful to have a PS Vita. There are still use cases for having a PS Vita. The modding community is amazing. You can get... uh, amazing homebrew games and of course emulation going on there there's a huge scene um so if you still have a psv and don't know what to do with it maybe check all of that stuff out there's a great community um when it comes to the ps vita so a lot of stuff that that is there potential but when it comes to official titles on the PlayStation Store, not much was happening in the last couple of years. And mostly indie developers were really keeping the Vita alive. At some point, people really said, you know, the Vita is a great indie machine, but that's pretty much it. And why is that the case? Well, first of all, the PS Vita wasn't necessarily cheap. It wasn't like expensive, but it was a bit more expensive than most handheld systems at at the time. I mean, the 3DS was pretty much the same price, but the DS was still very much popular and it was much cheaper and it also was much cheaper to develop for the Nintendo DS or the the Nintendo 3DS because the PS Vita was because it was so powerful um, developing games for it would also be more costly because you would have to put more work into making the graphics because the more complex the graphics the more expensive it gets so so of course a lot of developers were scared of taking that risk and i think that sony should have pushed more um they should have released more games on their own first party titles and of course we had stuff like uncharted um we had stuff like killzone um i mean killzone mercenary talk about a great handheld shooter i mean really amazing of course a lot of people were expecting the call of duty what was it called Black Ops Declassified or something like that to be the best shooter experience ever on a handheld gaming um, system. But that game was terrible. But then Sony came with 
Killzone Mercenary and showed that, no, it's actually possible to have a great shooter experience on the go. And that's what they should have done with other games as well, like put out more exclusive titles and make people really care for the system and make make it easier for the developers to take that risk. <sighs> but, you know, you have to understand that at the time, Sony wasn't doing as well as a lot of people think because the PS3... I mean, I wouldn't say that the PS3 was a failure, but when you look at the history of PlayStation, it was at that time the lowest selling console in PlayStation history. The PS1 sold more, the PS2 sold more, and the PS3 wasn't selling as well, and Xbox was catching up. At I mean, when the PS3 generation started, Xbox was actually winning, and only towards the end they started... Um, you know, getting to a point where they were pretty much par and par, but that of course was led to a lot of changes. So the quirky company that Sony had been for a long time releasing very weird, very Japanese games, I would say, like the typical games you think of when you think of Japanese games. Um, Sony was doing a lot of that stuff. Very weird, but very funny and very colorful and um, different. I, I really like that stuff and that changed at some point and they weren't the same company at the time the PS Vita released and especially some years after the PS Vita released. The PS4 came out and it was so successful that they just decided to focus on the PS4. Um, they didn't want to risk losing a generation again, which they didn't really do with the PS3, but it felt like it probably for PlayStation. And they just focused on the PS4. And so all the marketing money was used for the PS4 and not for the PS Vita. And that really shows because a lot of people don't know what a PS Vita is. I mean, most people don't. And when you show them a PS Vita, they will probably ask you, is that a PSP? Or I've even heard, is that a PSP Vita? So just bad marketing when it comes to, to that, you know, and... A bad job there. They should have marketed marketed it better and more, because the potential was there for a great console. And it's sad. I mean, if we could, we can speculate all we want right now. Okay, we can say if they had supported it more, if they had put out more first-party titles, um, then maybe more developers would have jumped on um, the chance of developing PS Vita games, and we would have more PS Vita games, and thus probably also more PS Vita users because a lot more people would be interested in playing the PS Vita. But that's just not how it went. And adding to all of that, we also had the situation with the PS Vita cards. I have not even talked about that, the memory cards. Oh my god. So the PS Vita had these memory cards, right? <sighs> Which are pretty much like SD cards. But of course, they could not be SD cards, so they had to be something proprietary. And they were expensive. They were so expensive that, of course, that also made a lot of people rethink buying a PS Vita. And also, they then released the PlayStation TV. Um, I have not talked about that as well. The PlayStation TV um, is essentially a PlayStation Vita without a screen. You have to... Uh, use an HDMI cable connected to your TV and then you can play PS Vita games on the TV in theory because a lot of those games, uh, although they are able to run 
on the PlayStation Vita, they are actually blocked from running on the PlayStation Vita because uh, on the PlayStation Vita, on the PlayStation TV, the, a lot of PlayStation Vita games are blocked run on the PlayStation TV. That's what I wanted to say. Because essentially developers had to update their game to enable that, to enable that these games could run on PlayStation TV. And this is due to, um, you know, the PlayStation Vita had a touchscreen. Um, the OLED screen was actually also a touchscreen. And you also had that touchpad on the back. And so because of that, some games utilize those features and wouldn't translate well to TV. And so that's why Sony blocked a lot of games. And if the developers wanted to, they could put in the work to make it work on TV. But because it wasn't just selling well, the system... They didn't even bother, right? So another thing that is like, why did they do that? I have a PlayStation TV actually, but I haven't used it in a long, long time. And I think that they really just had leftover parts from the, all the PS Vitas that they didn't sell. And they thought, well, let's try something different with this. I don't know. It's very weird. And they also then released a new version of the PS Vita which didn't have an OLED screen, it had an LCD screen. So if you intend on buying a PS Vita, uh, a used one, um, then definitely search for an OLED version because it will give you a better experience. Although this, the, the, the light version, um, or it's actually called the PS Vita 2000, but I like to refer to it as the light version, um, I think it's it's it looks better and it's definitely um, it has a better battery life. It's um, it weighs less, so for playing on the go, there are definitely some advantages. But I think that the OLED uh, screen is really um, better to have than all of those other features that the PS Vita 2000 has. And also one thing uh, that the PS Vita had going for it was that it also had 3G. I mean, there was a model with 3G, so you could play uh, online gaming. Um, you could play online co-op and multiplayer on the go, um, which was very ahead of its time. So much stuff about the Vitas. It's, it, it reminds me of the Sega Dreamcast somehow, because it's so it was so ahead of its time. But yeah, it didn't work. Just didn't work. And it's sad. I mean, it improved on a lot of stuff that the PSP uh, didn't do right because the PSP wasn't perfect, but it was still a massive success. For example, the PS Vita has dual touch, uh, du uh, dual uh, analog sticks, which the PSP didn't have. It just had that one very weird uh, analog stick thing, if you even want to call it that. So the PS Vita, <laughs> it's just sad. <laughs> It's really just sad. It's what could have been, right? I love my PS Vita. I really did. I played a lot of games on it. But at the end of the day, I don't think PlayStation is going back to handheld gaming anytime soon. If ever. And some people can look at how well the Nintendo Switch is selling and say, well, PlayStation could take advantage of that. But it's different. Because Nintendo has always, or not always, but has for most of its time been a handheld first company i mean look at the sales numbers the nintendo ds the 3ds the game boys those are the systems that really worked for nintendo all the home consoles worked i'm not saying that they didn't work but 
they weren't as successful as the handheld systems. Maybe the only exception there is the Nintendo Wii, but we all know why the Nintendo Wii was successful. It wasn't because it was it wasn't because it had great games or it was this revolutionary system uh, when it come came to traditional gaming. It was really more about catering to a different kind of audience, which is also a cool thing, but um, it came and went. You don't see really the same thing happening with the PS uh, with the Nintendo Switch, although the Nintendo Switch has some of those features with its um, Joy Cons. It's similar to the nunchucks and stuff from back in the day uh, on the Vita, uh, on the Vita, on the Wii. Now I'm messing everything up. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, but still, you don't see the same success when it comes to those types of games. Um, you still have those fitness games um on on the nintendo switch but it's it's not the same thing like it was with the nintendo wii so that's really the difference here is that playstation is a home console first company and nintendo is a handheld console first company and the type of games that they release cater to those specific targets right when you think of playstation games you think of big blockbuster games that are just better to be played on a TV. And when you think of Nintendo games, you think of playing with your friends or playing on the go because you played with your Game Boy or whatever back in the day. That's what you think of when you think of Nintendo. Mario is great on the go. Zelda is great on the go. I mean, Mario Party is great with friends, right? And that's the difference. When you look at the games for the PlayStation, I mean, Uncharted did come out on the PS Vita and it was good, but wasn't as good as the games on the PS4 or on the PS3 at that time. And other stuff like Killzone Mercenary is also one of those cases. Like, are shooters good games to be played on the go? I mean... If you really want to play shooter games on the go, they're still mobile. And it's better to have, uh, you know, a PC or a console at home to play shooter shooters on there. And then if you really have that itch and you have to scratch it, then you still have mobile. So I don't see PlayStation going back and releasing again um, a handheld system. There have been some rumors, but I doubt it. I think that the future, I said this before, is cloud gaming. And that will also sooner or later make the Nintendo company change. I think that Nintendo is still doing handheld gaming systems for a long time. But I think that even they will have to adapt in some way. When it comes to all the others, I think that's their solution for gaming on the go. Be it PlayStation, Xbox or whatever, that's their solution. You just play on your phone with a cloud solution. And that's gaming on the go now. You can have those experiences that you have on the TV. You can have them on the go. Of course, not the same experience really because uh, smaller screen and, and stuff like that. But if we get to a point where the internet is wildly available at good speeds, then that is really the future, I think. And that's why I don't see PlayStation releasing a handheld system ever again it's sad but it is what it is at least when we look back at the legacy of handheld games released by playstation we can say that the psp was amazing and sold 
very, very well, was a real success. And while the PS Vita wasn't a success commercially, it was still one hell of a system. So I would say that the handheld legacy of PlayStation is still great. Could have been better, but still a great legacy there. And you know what? That's it. That's the exit. I hope you enjoyed the show and that you tune in for the next week where I will be talking about what remakes I think we will see in the generation of the PS5 and what remakes I really wish for. All right. It's been a fun one, but until next time, keep on playing.